it, it just uh, that that's not who we are as a defense. Um, but I was trying to be aggressive early on. This is what we were preaching this week uh, as a team. We feed off of them as a defense. They've done a hell of a job all year long. But we all know that's not going to happen. I, I wouldn't see any doubt why wouldn't Andy Reid would let Eric Bieniemy interview in Chicago because Eric Bieniemy is probably looking for a situation where the defense is already built. I don't think anything is going to happen. See what you can continue to improve on and what can you do as a leader to lift guys up around you so we, we stop feeling this way after games. You're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and fan-sided Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. You got the Lambo losers that are back. The Bears completely just failed to show up on Sunday night. It was more embarrassing than even some of the Mark Trestman era games because this team is way more talented than anything that Foxy or Mark Trestman had. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the second episode of the Barely Hibernating Podcast. All right. I'm your host, Usaid Kosh. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Usaid Kosh. I got... Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai in the house. These guys are my co-hosts. You can follow them on Twitter at AJ Desai4 and at SJSteve9. What's going on, guys? Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm doing great. But as a Bears fan, I, I don't know how to process everything right now. Yeah, I'm just... I'm dead inside. <laughs> It was a tough Sunday night. I'll say that much. It was, well, dude. On, on the bright side, I won 150 bucks. You know, I won my parlay, and then I won my first half seven and a half points. Um, uh, shout out to Austin for that. Um, Sent me a couple picks for that. So 150 bucks. So I can't be mad. So, but still, I mean, the best team that I love, dude. Just like totally after 13 days of unpreparation, I would say, just failed. Yeah, I mean, I, I was watching this game and, you know, the, the Packers start with a score and it's frustrating for sure when you get scored on the first drive and then they miss the field goal. David Montgomery has a 57-yard run. I'm sitting there thinking on Sunday night, are we in this game right now? And then we kick a field goal and disaster strikes after that. And I wasn't even like – like usually when I'm watching these games this year, I get like frustrated or angry. I was just laughing the whole time. I was absolutely just laughing the whole time. It was a joke. Dude, if you sit next to me and you watch Bears games, the first thing you will notice is that I'm so quiet because I'm focused on the game, taking notes about the game, and then tweeting stuff out. Now, I swear, dude, this was just so demoralizing because you're on a four-game losing streak. You're going into this game. You're playing the Packers. You've essentially had two weeks to prepare for this game from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint. And then the first drive, you get the 57-yard touchdown run. I'm sorry, the 57-yard run by David Montgomery, which was your best offensive play of the night, by the way. But then the sequence after that, the first drive alone was just like two plays where they should have scored touchdowns, and then they didn't do so because Cole Komet ran the wrong route or there's a simple miscommunication there. All right, which is not the first time that there's been a miscommunication in the red zone with regards to getting the ball to Cole Komet. I mean, this happened week one against Detroit, too. And then 
you talk about Allen Robinson, dude, Allen Robinson's getting on my nerves now. And people are like, okay, well, he's a great guy. Good leader. He's a top 10 wide receiver in this league. And it's like, okay, if he wants to be paid 18 to $20 million a year, that's fine because the guys earned every penny of his new paycheck, but then he needs to come down with those 50, 50 balls. I mean, there was a, Giants game where he didn't come down with a 50-50 ball. A couple weeks later, there was the Bucks game. Pretty sure there was one instance in the Monday night game against the Vikings. Okay, They didn't even target him in the red zone against the Rams on Monday night back in week seven. And now there's this game where he didn't come down with it. And he should have come down with it because in that situation, you are supposed to use your... You're supposed to use the defensive back's helmet as leverage to haul the ball. And he didn't do that. Yeah, I. It, it's frustrating because you have a defense that plays so well. You come in in a key divisional game, and and for the Bears, you know, teams that were ahead of them in the playoff rankings lost on Sunday. You had the Cardinals lose, the Bucks lost, and the Rams lost. So it was kind of a perfect setup for like, man, if the Bears can can pull out a close win here, and I know obviously, like, I don't think any of us expected them to win, but in my mind, part of me was like. You get a close win here, maybe you beat them by three or whatever. The defense holds them down long enough and the Bears' offense clicks just well enough. You're looking at serious playoff indications potentially to win the division. And yeah, again, I don't think I was expecting a win, but I wasn't expecting us to let 41 points get put up against this defense. I'm not going to be super critical against the defense. They've been playing well all year and they've been dragging the offense's butt the entire year. But it was a pretty bad game on both ends of the field, I'm going to be completely honest. It was, it was embarrassing to be a Bears fan on Sunday night. And can I just point out a couple of things? I mean, like, you know, there is a couple of, like, you know, fair share of Bears fans that say, like, there's a, there's a time that where you should question the defense. But, like, you know, there has been a time where, you know, a defense can just be like, all right, you know, if, there, if the offense is not going to do anything for me, then why should I go out there and play? You know, I mean, like, granted, Akeem Hicks was injured, but, I mean, we were carved up like a turkey, really, basically, on the run game. So, um, it's not we, – we, and then, you know, and then you have – without Akeem Hicks, you, you, you call questionable defensive play calls by just rushing three, and it, does, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, even if you don't have Akeem Hicks, there are guys on that sideline of yours that can provide a five- to six-man rush. Seattle did it all night last night on Carson Wentz on that um, terrible offensive line. And they still ended up winning that game. So what excuse do you have for me on this defense? Not, not this defense, sorry. Um, <clears throat> on Chuck... Pagano like we can we'll get into Chuck Pagano and stuff but like why do we why is there player blame instead of the coaching blame you know I feel like you know on the defensive side of the ball you know there is there there is certain questions of like you know like Eddie Jackson you know that Robert Tanya touchdown you know like he was he was sort of like honestly let's be real was was Eddie Jackson targeted a fair share this season before that touchdown no. Right. So, I mean, like he is, he is allowed to give up a one or two touchdowns per season, right? He is not a robot. He is a human. So, you know, he granted like he and Harrison Smith are up there in safeties, but you got to look at it from a perspective from, 
a realism and whoever's calling your defense. Chuck Pagano with a three-man rush, you already know someone's going to be in the end zone that's going to catch the touchdown for you. It's, it's just simple, simple defen- defensive results. Three-man three man rush against one of the best quarterbacks, dude. You're going to get carved up, dude. You're not going to get an incomplete pass to drop down in the end zone. It's going to be a touchdown. 99 out of 100 times. Yeah, what I'll say is this. So for the Sorry. defense, I mean, Chuck Pagano. So I don't know why on third and 10 you're rushing three guys because your whole philosophy right there with that was, all right, you know what? I need to kind of just protect the back seven, right? Or the back eight. So yeah, they were rushing three, dropping eight. But the issue, dude, is that this defensive line depth has taken a hit this season, right? Like Mario Edwards was so quiet on Sunday and I didn't hear a peep from him. Akeem Hicks being out does not help with the hamstring injury. Roy Robertson Harris is out for the year. No more Eddie Goldman. Like I would have been fine rushing three had we had guys like Akeem Hicks, you know, and Mario Edwards actually show up and we had Robert Mack. What are you doing dropping the two pass rushers on your team, bro? That's like that's just that's dumb. Like you're dropping a, a person in pass rushing by PFF second in this league, bro. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like like what what's going on? Like like you can't do that against Aaron Rodgers. Like th- this is a game that, regardless of your record, you know, in Thanksgiving in 2016, man, or 2017, whatever that year was, I think 2015 now, if I remember it correctly, you know, we were like going into that game like five and seven or five and six, dude. We went in there and we beat that game with like a much talented defense back then than what we have right now, with Jay Cutler just throwing one touchdown and one pick that year, you know. And then That's- Vic Fangio, you know. That's because Vic Fangio and John Fox, what I'll say is this, listen, with the Fangio and Fox Bears, the thing that I loved about them is, okay, yeah, they won 14 games in three years, but every single Sunday you knew that they would show up and they would show up and play hard. And it was a rebuilding team. And you knew naturally there's still a lot of holes on the roster here and there that you look at and you – you're like, okay, so they don't have a quarterback yet. They don't have that second stud pass rusher opposite Leonard Floyd. They are still building in the secondary. They are still building the playmaking core around what the offense needs to be. But the guys like Cam Meredith was one example, okay? I forgot there was one of the – I mean, Matt Barkley was the quarterback. Matt Barkley led – you know, the Bears were down like 31-3 to in 2016 in Soldier Field against Green Bay. And then what happened is Matt Barkley came back and led them. They lost the game by three points at one point because Green Bay won like 34-31 because they got – the Bears got Aaron Rodgers again with the stupid Hail Mary. So the point is, is that these – this Bears team is way more talented, but it's not producing results, and it's because the coaching is so inept on both sides of the ball. Like, Pagano is not... Pagano, first things first, he was the defensive coordinator in Baltimore, I think the year that they won the Super Bowl, and he had guys like Ray Lewis and Eddie Jackson. They had a really good front seven, okay? And everyone was like, okay, well, Pagano is going to be more aggressive, take it to the next level. It has been the exact opposite of that. Like the defense has gotten so much softer with Pagano leading the way because the coaches and the leaders on this team, they're just failing to really set the tone and the bar for what this team really can be. Now, regarding the defense, like you mentioned earlier, AJ, before I let Sam go here, the defense has a right to be pissed off and angry because that's like your coworker not doing anything. And then you having to pick the slack up. That is what this is like. 
it's you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna be like yo screw it i'm not doing any more extra work this just isn't fair all right the defense has a right to feel angry because how many times has this defense kept this team in this game how many times has the defense only let up like one touchdown or 10 11 points that's it this season and even in 2019 and yet Nagy's offense has failed to compensate breach breach go ahead sam just gonna say zero sacks zero takeaways, one tackle for loss on Sunday night. At some point, is it really based on the players or is that a schematic thing? Because, yes, Khalil Mack had zero pressures on Sunday night. You pay him to, to sack the quarterback. You pay Robert Quinn. I understand, like, the defense didn't play well. But at some point, you guys hit it on the head perfectly. How much of that blame is on the players versus the defensive playmaking, defensive play calling? And you say again perfectly, like, you think about the games that the Bears have won close. Panthers game, they scored one touchdown off of a penalty. Colts game, they only scored one touchdown. The Falcons game, they held the Falcons, I think, to, like, three points in the second half. The Bears, some of the Bears' wins and close losses have been because of the defense. I mean, we wouldn't be five and six if it wasn't for the defense in most of these beginning games of the season and for the season in general. So... Yeah, it's frustrating to watch a good team put up 41 points on you, but at some point it's like they don't want – I mean, it's, it's very clear that there is some – not cracks, I don't want to say, but there's definitely some – actually, yeah, there is some cracks in this defense in terms of just like the morale. It's not there. Like it looks like guys are tired of playing, and that's frustrating because this is a defense that could take you far in the playoffs. Right, and look at and- – you you mentioned all those scenarios where defense basically showed up for the Bears. Listen, every single week during the game, I need to tweet that the Bears defense is going to put the offense in a position to score touchdowns or at least get some sort of points. And then the offense just fails to capitalize. And it's been a constant theme this year. I mean, listen, week one in Detroit, if Kyle Fuller does not make that interception, you know what? The Bears don't have that comeback. Mitch Trubisky does not lead, throw for three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Week two, if Rob Quinn doesn't get the strip sack in the on the Giants' own 20-yard line against Daniel Jones, and that's been the best Rob Quinn play this season, the Bears don't go up 10 to nothing because Anthony Miller dropped the touchdown, but they don't get that extra opportunity to extend their lead by two scores. Week three, Tashawn Gibson picked off... Matt Ryan to seal the deal. Okay, week four, we look at it. The defense had two dropped interceptions, but the theme of that game was not the defense not having any turnovers. It was just that the offense failed to show up and execute anything against a really good Colts defense. Week five, you look at it. If Khalil Mack does not get that sack on Tom Brady and they don't have that moment going viral where they're just looking at each other, Nick Foles doesn't get an opportunity to lead a comeback and they don't get the chance to kick the field goal at the end of the game. All right. Week six, we know what happened. Week seven did not show up at all. I mean, week seven, the defense put this team in a position more times. It seems like every single game, what I'm saying is that the defense continues to put this team, the offense in a position to succeed. And quite frankly, they're getting tired of having to compensate and do all this extra work because these guys have jobs and livelihoods too. But at some point, you just get tired of having to deal with this level of ineptness. And it's not even that it's just 2020. This was a theme last year too, when we were losing scores or losing games by like one score. At some point, it was the defense doing everything and the offense failing to capitalize. Yeah, dude, like uh, Sam mentioned, uh, you know, that there's like that no uh, morale in that defense, you know, that morale's gone, you know, like Akeem Hicks, like that, that was your guy and he wasn't there. And, you know, 
you're going to get gashed on the run. I mean, that you are already seasoned with the key mix by averaging over 120 yards with him. And then, like, granted, Aaron Rodgers didn't have to do much. I mean, he only threw less than 230 yards and had four touchdowns. And he had Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones do most of the work for him. But, you know, this defense, like, I don't, like, I don't even like – like, we'll talk about the fishing a little bit later – but like this defense, like you guys, you guys hit it on the nail too. Like it's like, like they they kept the Bears in games the last ten weeks. You know they have a right to make a statement saying that hey, you know, like our leaders out, Akeem Hicks. So we can't make any guarantees that we're gonna stop this defense because like already Robert Quinn is not where we want him to be. Akeem Hicks is out. And Chuck Pagano is rushing three and dropping one of our uh, two of our best pass rushers in coverage. So there's a lot of problems on this Bears team. Um, I promised that I'll go on a rant earlier today, but I don't want to go on a rant. This team doesn't deserve a rant, so I'll just I'll just. <laughs> stop right here. I thought this was this week you're supposed to rant, dude. I was excited to hear your rant, but you know, it looks like it's <laughs> okay, not gonna I'll, happen. I'll, I'll think of a rant and maybe maybe I'll go at the end. Yeah, so all right, transitioning into our next topic now, guys. When I look at just the rest of the season, because Sam and I were discussing this before we started recording, obviously, is when's the right time to make a move? Now, here's what's gonna happen. Bears fans on social media are obviously clamoring for Pace and Nagy to be fired as we record this, but we all know that's not going to happen because you guys have to keep people forget this because bears fans have such a short memory. But the point is, is that this is the same team. This is the same ownership, the same regime that kept around Mark Trustman until the end of the year. That was content with seeing the team lose out. This is the same regime that kept around John Fox until the end of the season, essentially. Okay. Now, where exactly do you guys think the bears go from here? And Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Do you think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, this loss on Sunday night, does this seal this, their fate? Or if they somehow manage to win, let's just say, 10 games, win out, are they coming back in 2021? I don't think anything is going to happen. Um, I, As much as I'd love to see change, and I think change needs to happen in terms of long-term success, I think Pace and Nagy are safe at least for another re- year and for a couple of reasons. Um, if you look at the schedule for the Bears for the rest of the year – as much as it, it it should not be painful to say this, but I look at four, maybe five wins just because of the strength of their schedule. Now, obviously, the Bears have almost lost to bad teams this year and have lost to bad teams this year. But you're looking at a Lions team that just fired their GM and head coach. You're looking at a Vikings team that is pretty good, should could potentially beat us. That offense is starting to click, um, but still a team that could potentially be a win there. Then you're looking at a Houston Texans team that just lost two of their receivers. One got cut, one got waived, and Will Fuller is out for the rest of the year because of um, performance-enhancing drugs. And now you're looking at a Jags team that's tanking, and then you have the Packers Week 17. So realistically, you're looking at a situation where the Bears might win not up to 9, 10 games in total, maybe even make a playoff push. And now you're looking at the Pace-Naggy duo, and it's like, well... They had some struggles in that season, but they still made the playoffs. They still won the next amount of games. Maybe we can bring this back one more year. And that's the biggest thing is you have so many guys under contract on that defense that could still perform at a high level. And it's hard to retool all of that, that maybe the thought is the McCaskies family is like, well, 
maybe if we really emphasize the offense in the offseason, maybe we can bring this defense back for one more year. The reality is, is the only way I see these two going is if we go 5-11. and 11. Because then I think there will actually be some change. Because we shouldn't go 5-11. and 11. I think that realistically we're too talented to go 5-11. and 11. I think the worst that the Bears could do this year is maybe 7-9. and nine. But even then, I don't think losing out guarantees Pace and Nagy are gone. Because I just don't think the Bears want to move on because I think there is a thought that they could still win games in 2021. Unless big changes happen, I don't see that happening. But yeah, I just don't see them. I don't see them getting rid of either of them. I think we're stuck with both these guys. Yeah, I agree, Sam. Like I don't think um, George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have it in them to fire this duo. You, you, you has been like clown, like has been saying this since week four, week five this season. Like he's been one of the first guys to call like this team has been inferior and the, and the record is just like um, false hope. And, like, shout-out to Yusuf for that, man. I think he's been calling us since week four. Great job. But, like, hey, um, there's one thing. Uh, Sam, Sam, you brought up a great point there. Um, if this team does not indeed go 5-11 and 11, and they do go 7-9, and nine, there you go. You, you have saved Ryan Pace's and, Ryan and Matt Nagy's job there because the Bears are not going to fire um, those two um, guys if that record happens just because – they think that they can make the improvements on offense with not that not as much salary cap and Ted Phillips needs to provide that money for 2021 to open it up. Regardless of this coronavirus situation, this 176 million number will change. I think it will change. I think it will probably go up to like 195, 196, probably give the Bears a little leeway. But um, in addition to like what um, what the what the uh, for what I think of the the future of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, I mean, like if they go five and eleven, I do have a little hope that they do clean house. But let's be real, Ted Phillips is not going to go anywhere. He's a fourteen president in a hundred years, and that person has like he's going to die with the Chicago Bears. We're gonna say that that guy you're gonna fire the CEO of this team. That CEO has a 36-year relationship with one of the oldest families in the NFL, with probably one of the powerful families in the, in the state of Illinois, too. So, I mean, you talk about Ted Phillips leaving, it's not going to happen. They're just probably going to just refresh his GM and head coach hire. But, like, as you guys um, – as, as what you guys said, I, I'm not expecting a move, but I will be pretty ecstatic if – the move would, were to happen if both of them were to be replaced. Honestly, <clears throat> when the Bears hired Pace five years ago, I was on board with it because I was like, finally, you have a young, outgoing, energetic general manager that's going to bring us in, make this franchise modern. And we've heard this hasn't even, because I've been, I'm so plugged into what's going on at Hallis Hall. There's certain things I'm not even going to say because I don't want to lose my inside info. But the point is, is people also tend to forget that Ryan Pace has modernized this organization in more ways than one. The million or billion dollar renovation project that took place at Hallis Hall that's taken place at Hallis Hall over the last couple off seasons. Listen, if Hallis Hall was not modern, the Bears would not be able to deal with this coronavirus pandemic because they essentially transformed Hallis Hall into a bubble. Now, obviously, Pace never anticipated that COVID-19 was going to come. He just 
went ahead with the renovation anyway because they needed an overhaul on the operational side of things, on the football side of things. Now, on the football operation side of things is what I should say. But when you look at it, I mean, there's serious argument that this argument is going to go either way. You bring these guys back because of the coronavirus 19 pandemic. Pace can always leverage and be like, yeah, well, you know what? Listen, look at my 2020 draft class, like Mooney and Johnson. These guys are shaping up to be real well. Sure. I missed on the quarterback multiple times, but if you're keeping the, GM around for year seven and he still doesn't have a solution to the QB position that doesn't even signal to me that the GM is incompetent it just signals to me that the ownership which is George McCaskey at this point and Ted Phillips they're the most incompetent people on the planet because they are the ones who are like yo we're good with giving you the keys to the franchise and the thing is is Ted's not going anywhere like you alluded to AJ because yeah I want to see Ted Phillips fired yeah we need a dude who's a dog like Theo Epstein running the show in Chicago but why the hell would you want to come work for the McCaskey family anyway knowing that they're the most inept football team on the planet or I'm sorry the most inept ownership group on the planet like not even the Cleveland at least the damn Cleveland Browns dude that entire family all right they got into the business they were like truck owners before whatever right or like whatever forgot what business they were in but they were in trucking before they brought the Browns right yeah yeah, Flying J, the Haslams, right? At least the damn Haslams, dude, had enough humility to admit two years ago that we are new to this. We're still learning the football side of things. But what did they do to compensate? They brought in smart football guys to run the show, and then they got out of the way, all right? McCaskey doesn't do that here. McCaskey is always involved. He's hands-on. He's not a football guy. So when we talk about this team being just completely incompetent, right, it just goes down to the fact that they can't, ownership can't do anything right the guys who are in charge of building the team can't do anything right and then we, we just look at matt Nagy. and matt Nagy in general has been such a completely separate problem he deserves to be fired too okay i already had one person tell me pace is probably going to get a third head coach i mentioned that on last week's pod too mention it in the introduction if pace gets a third head coach i don't know who it's going to be but if you fire both of these guys you got to go with a new hire and bring in a dog like Pat Fitzgerald. Bring in somebody like Pat Fitzgerald, someone you know when this guy walks into the room, into the meeting rooms at Hallows Hall on day one, everybody's going to be on alert. That was very well said. And we were saying AJ was going to go on a rant. Seeing you said, took, took your place on that. Well said. Well, it's, it's just like, what are you going to do? Because the organization, they have... First things first, right? Ryan Pace had a vision for how we wanted to build this organization when he first got here. The first three to four years, up till 2018, it was like, okay, we are realizing this vision. 2018, that vision came to fruition. But then you look at 2019 and 2020, it's just like, where is the direction that this team wants to go? Where is the vision? At this point, you just making moves for the sake of making moves to say that you need to upgrade pieces and pieces on your roster certain positions on your roster for the sake of upgrading and there's zero thinking or reasoning or rationale whatever you want to call it find any of the moves that have been made the last two off seasons go ahead aj yeah but like you see what you see what ryan pace was able to do in new orleans though right like all the players and all the all the scouting that he was able to do um when he was in new orleans they were able to win a Super Bowl off of that right but like he's been able to do that here in chicago and that's why like maybe there is like the case that i was trying to talk about last last week is like say if we do fire uh one person who do you get rid of you get rid of pay uh not not, not pay so are you get rid of Nagy and you give a chance um to ryan pace to get a third head coach right 
And I think maybe like, yeah, like what, what harm could happen if you can give pace a third head coach, maybe like maybe this whole Matt Nagy thing, maybe he didn't learn properly under the, uh, the Andy retreat, who really knows like that what happened that uh, I think it was the Tennessee Titans game and Kansas city chiefs game where Andy Reid called one half and Matt Nagy called one half. And I think that that was where the decision stemmed where we should hire this guy. Who knows if Eric Biemni is probably a lot more creative, a lot more schematic to the offense. Like who knows that like, like I know it's Andy Reid's show, but like who knows that like in that, in that coaching room where we don't know what's going on, they're just talking them and back and forth that here's what we should do with Travis Kelsey. Here's what we should do with, um, with Le'Veon Bell or, um, or earlier's earlier junior or whatever his name is. Right. But like, because he is, um, he is, uh, he is that running backs coach though in Kansas city. So, I mean like what he's doing there in the offensive assistant to, to, um, to Andy Reed, I think he has a bigger role to Andy Reed than Matt Nagy ever had than, um, than Eric Bieniemy did. So, I mean, like, yeah, if you give, uh, Ryan Pace a chance, then like I, I I wouldn't see any doubt why wouldn't Andy Reid would let Eric Bieniemy interview in Chicago because Eric Bieniemy is probably looking for a situation where the defense is already built and where the front office can make certain moves to create some cap space. Now, given this pandemic, like I said earlier in this pod, um, the the cap situation can cer- uh, can certainly change based on revenue because we all know it's based on revenue. I think it could jump up to one ninety eight. Because I don't think it's going to be at one seventy six, to be to be real. So if you if that number goes goes up to one one ninety eight, you make some cuts. Bears are in business, baby. I think they are. I mean, you can make these moves. I mean, this is a billion dollar enterprise. The only thing I, I liked your point that you brought up with Pace building that team in New Orleans. The one thing I will say though is Pace didn't have to evaluate the quarterback situation. He had Drew Brees. You bring Pace into Chicago. He promises he's going to draft a quarterback every year. Pace has not been able to truly evaluate the quarterback situation for the Bears. Obviously, trading up and grabbing Mitch. Mitch was the best rated quarterback. Of course. Yeah. And, like, and like it's, it's hard as a GM to – I'm sorry, Sam, to interrupt, but it's no, no, you're hard good. as a GM to swallow your pride and come out in public and say that, like, hey, man, I was wrong. No one's going to do that. No, you're not going to find a single soul in the NFL to say that I'm wrong. Let me go find someone else to go do it. I mean, the and, Cardinals kind of did it, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, the Cardinals kind of did it. Yeah, they did. But, like, then they came out. They hired Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, and then they got Kyler Murray. And then they're like, okay, everything's gone, and everything's better now because Kyler Murray fits the offense now. But, like, now Ryan Pace is in the position where he's wrong, and maybe in this offseason presser after week 17 – when Mitch is officially a free agent, like he is going to be a free agent in March. I don't think the bears have any intentions of bringing him back. Um, They'll say that they were wrong because like, you know, you don't want to say you're wrong in the middle of, 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 of the, of the player's contract, because that just, that completely destroys a player's morale of playing in year four. So, I mean, like I, I could see them, like I could see, like Ryan Pace totally throwing um, Matt Nagy under the bus on uh, on that presser on after week seventeen. They're like, like I think back in twenty seventeen, he's gonna be like, I think back in twenty seventeen, I was wrong, and where this offense could be, I don't think it was this season because like 
I mean, let's let's be real. You got Allen Robinson, you got Dar- you got Darnell Mooney, you got David Montgomery, you got Javon Wims. How can you not be a middle of the pack offense? Right? You didn't even you listed off all those playmakers. Let me just get in right here. But you didn't even mention Anthony Miller and that oh, they had high hopes for. So, but 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 like you know, look 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 what Houston's doing with the terrible offensive line, right? You you could you could you could turn out you could you can make this off an offense just like impromptu. Call whatever you can. Get what's open. Take what's take what's the defense is giving you. That's what that's what Matt Nagy wasn't doing earlier in the season. That's what Bill Lazor is certainly not doing. He ran away from the running game after a fifty seven yard gain. Like the Bears the Bears like I just think the Bears in the offense, they're they're just running by the same thing, this mantra that Matt Nagy's given them. And like and if they and, and if they do so, the Bears are going to go five and eleven. I don't think they're have any chance these next five games. Certainly not the Packers. No shot. What you know? I, the, it's hard because there's so many things that are wrong with this team. You don't even know where to begin and be like, okay. So last year, everyone was blaming. Well, it's just the QB. It's just the QB. Look, anyone who saw this team play last year knew that the problems ran deeper than the quarterback position is what it was. Now you had Nagy say on, I think it was Monday morning. He said, he's just like, he didn't really commit to Trubisky, but then he committed to Trubisky. So he gave like a half, you know, 50-50 answer is what he gave. And he's just like, yeah, I don't see why not Mitch could be the starter. Let's just say Nick Foles is fully healthy and he's throwing at Alice Hall because no one's heard anything, by the way, because the Bears have not had their press conferences for Tuesday afternoon yet when we're recording this. But do you guys think that who are you going with at quarterback against Detroit? Because your next two games are Detroit and then I believe, yeah, so Detroit and then you have Houston and then Minnesota, I think the week before Christmas. Then the week after Christmas, it's Jacksonville. And then you wrap the season up against Green Bay. So you have two divisional games coming up in the next three weeks. And I really think that if you lose these two divisional games, first off, forget Houston and Jacksonville because those are teams that don't even matter. I mean, Jacksonville matters for draft position, but that's about it. Houston has no first-round picks. But if you lose to Detroit, and you lose to Minnesota, you've won, well, one divisional game all year because I'm not picking this team to beat the Packers in Week 17. Okay, you win one divisional game. That's serious grounds to fire Pace and Nagy. But are you guys going with Foles or Trubisky this Sunday against Detroit? I'm going Mitchy Mitch. Um, If you look at, and this was a great tweet from uh, Robert Schmitz from uh, the Windy City Gridiron. He goes, Mitchell Trubisky's Sunday night stat line at the moment the game effectively ended. Packers scored to go up 41 to 10. 10 for 22, 112 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, 38.45 passer rating, one lost fumble. As bad of that stat line as it is, there was just a difference in the offense with Mitch out there there was more movement and athleticism. And like we talked about it a little bit in our group chat, but like I liked Mitch's aggressive attempts down the field. Yeah. They ended up in two interceptions and they were, it was bad decision-making, but you have to admit like having a quarterback who's going to aggressively step in and actually throw and move around the pocket a little bit is a little bit more exciting than, and and at this point I want to watch more exciting football than watching, you know, dead leg Nick Foles who can't move in the pocket Plus, Mitch plays good against the Lions. I mean, he. I mean, obviously, week one he had three touchdowns in the second half against the Lions and led us to that win. 
He's more fun against the Lions. He he owns the Lions, which is funny to say. So I would rather see Mitch end the year, but I could see them going back to Foles just solely because that's Nagy's guy. Okay, Sam. Now that Mitch has played yesterday, or oh, day wait, what's today? Today's Tuesday. The day before yesterday. So, um, so now that Mitch has played, I'm on the Mitch apologist train. All right. I don't think I don't I don't think like maybe maybe that that was the case where he would have he could meet he could have like came on the field and propelled the Bears to go three and no. Then maybe you could have gone back to Mitch in week four against Indy. You know, like maybe that's all you probably needed Nick Foles for, you know, I mean, Mitch wasn't that big of a problem in week one or week two. Like, you know what I mean? He was just like not having a good game week three. You pull him for Nick Foles, but like I don't, I, I will never get the reason why the Bears continue to start Nick Foles for Week Four, because like I, I didn't see um, that much, that much of an issue with Mitch Trubisky back then, but like now I'm like, oh my god, like even with Sam Mustafir and with Cody White here back and with Alex Bars, that off offensive line is like all right that's something i can work with in the middle yo and like you know and like like the game some time he made some throws you know to start the game uh a cup a bullshit face mask with which, which resulted in a fumble touchdown um like i think it was because like i i personally thought they thought they were trying to grab it and in their minds they were like oh if we grab it we're gonna get life for 15 yards and he oh shit he's already fumbled the football let's not do this anymore so they they, uh, they they let go of it pretty quickly, so the refs didn't see it. But then again, I mean, refs have it in for Green Bay or in a pot in a really really positive way for that team. So, um, like if you take away that, you know, Mitch's Mitch's game game wasn't as bad. Of course, you're going to have your normal two interceptions against Green Bay. That's just traditional football. I mean, I I love deep shots. All right, that's what I was trying to make a point in the chat. Like I love the respect of the deep shot. Cause that's what Trubisky wasn't doing in 2019. Like he would take those deep shots, but he was inaccurate, but these were somewhat, you know, in the vicinity of the wide receiver and you got to respect him not playing since week three, hyping this team up before that game, you know, as a quarterback, as a person's future, who's certainly up in the air in Chicago, you know, like I, I like what he brought to the huddle in Chicago. I mean, you know, you know, it's, your defensive leader was out and it was, it was good to see. Like, I, I apologize, Mitch, you know, you, you brought, you brought some, you brought some fire, you brought some fire to the huddle and, and um, I don't know why I saw Nick Foles for a better part of six weeks or seven weeks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Mitch certainly does extend the chance of, for us so, to win a game, though. So, yeah, Trubisky's skill set is definitely something that's way better than Foles. Now, I still think for this offense, there's two ways to go about it. So if you want to go with the more athletic guy, the fiery guy, the guy that the team is actually going to rally behind, then you go with Mitch Trubisky. Or if you want to go with the uninspiring old head in the room that is the only reason he's in Chicago, let's be honest, is because he's a smart player. He's a smarter player that can run the offense, okay? If you were able to combine, dude, Mitch Trubisky's kind of athleticism 
and the fiery personality that he has, because he's always been like this in the sense that he's going to play his heart out every single time. If you can combine that part of Mitch with Nick Foles' brain and knowledge of this offense, you would have the perfect quarterback that would lead to a winning formula in Chicago. But unfortunately, we can't do that. Now, what I'll say is this. So you guys touched on the deep ball. I like the way this Bears offense is aggressive because you have to be aggressive in this league to score. In this league, you look at, this offense, by the way, is predicated on the deep shot anyway, which is why the Eagles, who run a similar system, signed Deshaun Jackson this past offseason. And then they drafted Jalen Rager. And then the Chiefs have had like Tyree Kill and Miko Hardman for so long, for a couple of years now, essentially. But what I'll say is this the offense is built on the deep shot, right? Now, my issue with this team being so aggressive sometimes is that they get too aggressive to the point where, okay, they make mistakes and mistakes are going to happen in this game. Anyway, no game plan is going to be run to perfection, but then the issue comes in is that it's like Mitch throws the interception, but then they dig holes that they can't dig themselves out of. So they get too aggressive, but then they can't dig themselves out of holes. And this has also been an issue for me this year. So yeah, I like the aggressiveness. I like the fiery personality that Mitch brings. Okay. Mitch for sure, dude, masked, made this offensive line look better, which, by the way, we'll touch on the offensive line in a moment here. But, yeah, Mitch is just the better quarterback moving forward. I know some people just don't want to see him play because their personal bias gets into the way. But it's like, look, they scored 25. I get 15 of those points were in garbage time. But they scored 25 points, dude, with Mitch leading the way, even if it was in garbage time. What did Nick Foles do? I mean, Nick Foles' biggest win as a Chicago Bear is going to be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, by the way, once again, the defense helped him in that game. So looking at it going forward, I mean, our starting five on Friday, Friday night, wow, oh my, see, this is what's happening in 2020, is we got one month of this year left, and nobody knows what day it even is. But anyway, going forward, right, for the next five games of the season, I think my starting five would be the same starting five offensive linemen that they trotted out there on Sunday night that it was. So you had Charles Leno, Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer, and then Alex Bars and Jermaine Infetti. Jermaine Ifetti. I still don't even know how to say his name, but that was your starting five left to right. Are you guys sticking with this combination? Because personally, I am because it's the best combination that the Bears have at this point. I think Jermaine Ifetti is better suited at tackle. I don't know what the Bears were doing to put him in that guard. I think he's better suited at tackle. Like, I think if you just put it in my tackle at the beginning of the season, I think this offensive line would have been a lot better and give Alex Barr the opportunity at right guard, you know? Like, I don't know what the Bears were waiting for, but, like, thank you. We finally got the change. But like, yeah, you said, give me this offensive line to take the take the lines at Soldier Field um, the Sunday at noon. I mean, this is the best offensive line I've seen. We've seen a lot of protection. We've seen a lot of time. I mean, granted, there there are times when Trubisky like um, hung on to the ball longer than expected and took a sack. But like you know, there was some time in that pocket though. But like you know, our receivers need to get open. That's why I'm not opposed with Fury leaving. I don't care. Get out. Like 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 if you can't scheme your wide receivers to get open, get out. Like um. But then again, but that's the thing. Like. Mitch is looking for these guys to get open and no one's getting open. So, I mean, there's time. I mean, so give me this offensive line. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind yeah. of the mentality I have at this point. I mean, don't mess with the continuity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, to, to answer your question on why they brought Ifidi in at guard, if you look at Ifidi's tape when he played for the Seahawks, he did play tackle 
And he didn't do a very great job in terms of pass protection when he was outside versus when he was doing some more stuff interiorly. So I think their thought was is he would be a good plug-in as like a short-term solution at guard. However, watching him play tackle on Sunday night, like he was fine. He wasn't great. He was fine. Maybe like, the only the only change I would maybe see is, is if you're struggling a little bit inter- like on the interior, like maybe you bring in Eric Kush, like if, if he's ready to go. You did sign him to the practice squad. He's just been sitting there. But otherwise, the offensive line played well. You're playing some weaker defenses the next couple of weeks. Like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm fine with this group for next week or this week. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, I mean, like, in, like if you really look at, like, like how how Alex Bars and Samus the Fear improve throughout the season, then maybe, you know, offensive line may not be as big as a need. You know, it could be like a third or fourth round pick, you know. And that's where, you know, where we can get expendable in the first two rounds where we can get other needs solidified. So, I mean, look, man, the NFL draft is another monster that I'm willing to tackle with you, with you, you said, and with you, Sam, on this podcast after the season is over. Let me tell you this about the NFL draft. Until April, you don't know where a player is going to go. So don't give me the four quarterbacks are going to go in the top seven picks, all right? It's just not possible with Micah Parsons, Jerick Willis, and all these offensive tackles and all this tight end class and all this talent here on the defensive side of the ball. Like, like I haven't seen that since – it's been a while since I haven't seen that. So, I mean, I think Andrew Luck was the last year or the year before. But, like, yeah. I'm just going to wait till the draft until we see what we get. Like, I'm willing to talk to you about it, but, like, I can't wait. Okay, so my thoughts on this O-line are simple. You got to stick with this five for the rest of the season. But you have some people suggesting that, okay, well, if this five is adequate and is getting the job done, first things first, they're doing it against bad teams anyway. And I think the best defensive player the Bears are going to face over the next five weeks, it's – J.J. Watt. Now, my whole thing is this, is the only way for us to really get a gauge of where and how this, how much this offensive line has to improve is by having it play against some really good competition, which again, they're not doing so over the next couple of weeks anyway. Okay, They still got to overhaul the offensive line in 2021 because this is the same thing that this team did this past or in 2019 as well. They went into the starting, they went into the season essentially just having the same five guys starting and then they basically neglected to add any sort of depth or any sort of talent to the O-line in 2020, knowing it was going to be an issue. So, okay, great. Mustafer may be a hidden gem. Alex Bars, your boy from Notre Dame, may be a hidden gem. But then at the end of the day, yeah, both of them. But then at the end of the day, you still need to add some talent because you could, number one, you can have no... First off, right, Pace's whole theme in 2020, the offseason, was we're going to create competition on our roster. He made that evident during the 2019 season-ending presser. They created competition, but did they really create enough of it? I don't know. Okay, and it's you could argue that they did not create enough of it. So the Bears need to add more to the offensive line into new 21 because the best teams in this league continuously invest in the offensive line. I mean, listen, the chiefs have had Andy Reid since I think 2012 or 2013, dude, they've drafted at least one offensive lineman, whether it's on day one, two or three, at least once a year, every single year, except for like 
two years. So the point is, is and we've seen the Chiefs have a great OL. They're not just good because of their playmakers and their QB. They have a really good offensive line too. And then they went out and they got guys like Osemele in free agency when these guys are when Osemele got cut earlier in the offseason. So the point with the Bears is that, okay, I like the starting five. It did good on Sunday night, but they still got to go out and invest in the offensive line. Do not ignore that as a need in 2021, because if you do draft your next quarterback, you can't just throw this guy to the wolves because that is how quarterbacks get ruined. Quarterbacks don't get ruined because they don't have the talent. These guys get ruined because of the bad situations that they're put in, because we look at all the good quarterbacks in this league, Pat Mahomes. Okay. Um, and I'll use Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, these two guys, Kyler Murray. These guys were drafted into stable situations, which is so much of the reason that they panned out. It's not just their talent. It is their situation, too. You look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, for example. Watson is the best QB prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. All right, Watson, I've ranked higher than Trevor Lawrence and Lawrence is going to declare here in a couple months anyway. But the point is, is Watson's being held back because of the bad situation that he's in. So you need to invest in the OL because that's going to be a stable situation for your QB. You can't let your next rookie quarterback, whoever it is, walk into a situation with a bad OL because you're going to have to play that guy at some point in 2021, regardless of whether you want to admit it or not. Yeah, um, I definitely think that I, I hope – that the Bears address the offensive line. I know obviously we can, the like AJ said, the draft is an entirely different monster, but I hope some moves are made. Even even if you, know, you find some hidden gems with some of these younger guys, which is great, I still think bringing in an overhaul in 2021 is never a bad thing. Because again, I mean, I, I love this. My dad says this all the time. You can never have too many offensive linemen. So I hope that, I do hope that the Bears make some moves there in both free agency and the draft. But I do like what I see out of Musafer. I do like what I see out of bars. Obviously having Cody Whitehair back is great. You get James Daniels back in 2021. You know, there's definitely going to be a couple of guys you want to keep, but overall I, I do hope that there is some moves made for sure. But in terms of this season, I'm happy with the guys they have tried it out right now. So. No, I agree. I agree that like you need to make the move to like, you know, get better. And I mean, like, you know, right for right now, Bars and Mustafir are just like, you know, the fillers in this offensive line. So same thing with Jermaine and Fetty, too. So, I mean, like, yeah, we'll see what happens in the offseason. But, like, guys, uh, you know, like our, our this next week's matchup, man, like, what are we, what are we going to expect? Like, another loss, you said? What do you think? Honestly, okay, so I'm looking at ESPN's FPI right now, and the Bears have a 61% chance to win this game. <laughs> now, the... Spread is plus minus three and the over under is 44. Okay. Now I'm going to go with a, do a look, chance I, to win. Yeah. We're trash, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> all right. So AJ hosts fantasy Oddcast, So that's all your betting stuff. All right. Check that out too. Cause that records on Tuesdays at 6 PM drops on Wednesday mornings. But listen, my point is this is the reason the bears are winning against the Lions. So bears fans are going to tell you the bears are winning on Sunday because they're playing the lions. Listen, yeah. that's, like 2% of the reason the Bears are winning. The other 98% just comes down to the fact that the Bears are winning this game. One, because Khalil Mack's not letting this team lose to the laughing stock of the NFC North. Okay, they would be an all-time low for the franchise if you lost six straight games. And then to top it off, you lost to the Lions. 
And then just adding in this, the Lions are a team that's going through a transition. We don't know what they're going to look like with Daryl Bevel leading the way because he's the interim head coach right now. No more Matt Patricia, no more Bob Quinn. But those firings, we all saw them coming before the season even started. Okay, but the Bears are winning this game because, yeah, Matt Nagy. The thing with Matt Nagy is this is you either love or hate him, right? So one week you hate him because he's up there calling his players out in press conferences to the media, which is all public. But then the next week, the guy somehow just has this uncanny thing about him where no matter what he says, okay, Everyone seems to buy into his philosophy. So the Bears are not going to lose this game, and Mitch certainly is not losing this game. I hope we don't lose, man. I'm scared, bro. (laughs) All right. Yo, Sam, you can go ahead. I'm scared. I mean, I have parents who are both Lions fans, so Lions-Bears matchups are always fun here at the Stevenson household. Um, That being said, I don't think we're going to lose to the Lions. If you fire your head coach and your GM at this point in the season, and obviously like the Falcons did it and they're four and two and, and you know, that's great and all, or I think they're four and two. I'm not sure since they fired them. And, um, Oh no, that might be the Texans actually. I'm not sure. Obviously you can fire them and interim head coaches can step up, but I don't know. I just think the bears had the, uh, the Alliance card here. And I just think, you know, the Lions have some injuries on offense. If Ke- if Kenny Galladay isn't playing, I'm not worried about it. And that Lions defense is it's not good. I don't think this will be a good game, but I I just I don't see the Bears losing. And if they do, it would be so Bears. But that being said, I I, I have confidence that this team can beat the Lions. Yeah, I have confidence that this team can be the Lions. AJ, I'll go to you here, but who are going to be your... Because first things first, I don't know what type of game plan the Lions are going to run here because everything that they ran in the past, especially on defense, was so Matt Patricia. Now, Matt Patricia's not there anymore, so they're still probably going to run that Patriots-type defense, but um, it's just not going to be the exact same because the people that are going to be calling the plays, yeah, they're Patricia leftovers, but they can't execute it the way Patricia would because Patricia was the primary defensive play caller but aj i'll go with you on this one who's going to be your top performer of the game for the bears top performer of the performer of the game for the bears it's going to be Allen robinson without a doubt for me um i think mitch um looks at him more than any any qb if Allen robinson was placed in any situation in the league Mitch is that's mitch's best buddy on the field and he's he had two touchdowns 74 yards and eight receptions um, and the Detroit Lions secondary is Garbo, Garbanzo, whatever you want to call it. It is really, really bad. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda uh, probably is going to be on uh, Allen Robinson. So I expect a big, big game from Allen Robinson, probably a touchdown or two. But the second, the second, uh, the second guy is David Montgomery, I think. So I mean, it's it, it the offense is really just going to revolve around the run game. And how we approach the run game in Allen Robinson, and then how we involve Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. That's all I got because we don't we don't we don't throw the ball to anybody else except Allen Robinson. Like, yeah, um, for me, I got an offensive and a defensive. Uh, I guess player of the game. I think on offense, I think it's going to be Mitch. I, I think Mitch plays well against the Lions, and I think especially now, kind of got a little bit of a not like a pep in his step, but he played subpar I'll say against the Packers he's coming against a weaker defense and a team that he has beaten in the past I think Mitch is going to have a good game nothing's fair 
spectacular, but I think he could replicate his results that he had in week one now that he's gotten more time to kind of work both as a practice, you know, as a backup quarterback and as a starter, um, especially if he's going to be feeding Al Robinson a lot. And on defense, I got Jalen Johnson. He played really well against the Lions in week one. He had that key pass breakup uh, towards the end of the game. Johnson is probably going to get targeted more than Kyle Fuller just because I think Matt Stafford's going to go against the rookie. I can see Jalen Johnson getting his first pick this weekend. I think he's going to have a great game for the defense. And, I mean, his hit that he had last Sunday night, whew, that was a great hit. That was, that, was a big, that was a big boy hit. That was a highlight for me, man. I was just – Finally, something went my way. And, like, um, I also won some money yesterday, too. So, yeah, like, not yesterday. Sorry, I keep saying yesterday. Sunday night, I, I won some money on Sunday nights. So, I mean, the loss isn't bad as, as I portrayed this week. So. See, my player of the game. What the hell is going on? Hmm? Dude, you know, Anthony Miller's. I was I was just scrolling through Twitter. So Anthony Miller just liked the tweet where someone was just like, yo, come to New England, bro, which is understandable anyway because – Trubisky and Miller are going to go to New England in a couple of years anyway, and then they're going to become like the best wide receiver QB combo in the NFL. But listen, my guys, okay, and Allen Robinson just been a crybaby on social media this entire season. Okay, now my top performer for the Bears on offense, it's going to be David Montgomery. Okay, David Montgomery is so underrated. He would seriously be a top five running back had it not been for this porous offensive line, had the Bears offense actually been able to get him the ball more. Okay. Had they been able to just continuously scheme him open on defense, though? Uh, let's see. I don't want to say Roquan Smith because I know Roquan Smith's already having a great season. I think, though, I will go with. See, it's a tough one for me, but I'm going to say we finally see an Eddie Jackson pick six this season because we really have not seen one in what two years at this point. I think that this is finally the week Bojack gets his pick six. And also, you mentioned you you mentioned sorry, Sam. You all, you mentioned David Montgomery. I mean, he's supposed to have over two hundred carries so far. He only has one hundred and forty-two, which is why this Bears offense is really bad. So, go ahead, Sam. I already did mine, but but I, I was just to to follow up on the Anthony Miller thing. Players are so petty. Yeah. They're so petty. Like, Running. relax. We we everyone knows that it's going to start coming. Like, people can see what you like. Like, relax and. Anthony Miller hasn't done any to earn another job on another team yet. He's he's got potential, but I, I just I think it's a different situation because I think Miller's kind of got that like personality of a big t- like a, a top receiver, but I don't think he has the talent like Anthony uh, Allen Robinson does. So just just everyone's being petty. Let's chill out. It's a Tuesday. Relax. Well, I mean, Anthony Miller was being compared to Antonio Brown coming out of Memphis. I mean, Miller has the personality he has, dude, because it's like he, he wasn't one of these guys that got like a full-on scholarship. I mean, he was a walk-on at Memphis, and he produced the weight that he did. So I understand that. But then at the same time, it's just like he was apparently having, you know, one-on-one Zoom conversations with wide receiver coach Mike Fury over the summer because I text Mike on Twitter sometimes anyway but anyway and Mike said this publicly to the media is Mike was like look Anthony I had some conversations about you're in year three which direction do you want your career to go and I mean Miller started off Miller was a breakout candidate for me in 2019 did not happen okay Caught on strong the last five games of the year and just really failed to build the momentum. I think 50% of the reason for that is the quarterback change. 50% of it is that his head just is not where, like his head isn't in the game and he's not as focused as he should be because this is a guy who's only concerned about scoring touchdowns and doing fancy celebrations without thinking of all the details that go into every single thing. 
I mean, I would be concerned about scoring touchdowns too, you know. I mean, if the ball is not going to be thrown at me more than five times a game, then why should I care, you know? I mean, I'm going to get money somewhere else in a couple of years because we already know the Bears don't hang on to their own that much. I mean, is that correct, you said? Yeah, 50-50. I mean, well, under Pace, dude, they've been good. Dude, under Pace, it's like they extended guys like Eddie Goldman, okay? Like under Pace. It's under pace is fair, like eighty percent. We're raising our guys, so that's fair. I mean, like we can we can see him back here, but like I just think that like this offense, you fix this offense, you call, you bring in the right play caller. I think guys like Anthony Miller, Darna Mooney would be a lot more valuable to this offense. I just I just think they're being underlooked just because like, well, we lost one of our biggest playmakers, Tariq Cohen, and we can't move the ball because he's injured. So. Yeah, good point. But then again, it's just like I'm tired of the Tariq Cohen excuse at this point because you've had a gadget that we used a lot. So yeah, but like you've team around him. That's all. But like, yeah, I agree. You can't use the excuse over and over again. Next man up mentality. But that's what that's the thing about Nagy or Bill Lazor or whoever the next play caller might be for this Bears team. If we if we have a third play caller, it's just the continuity of what Matt Nagy brought brings to the team and his play call sheet. Nothing's going to be different until Uh, he's gone. Yeah, true. This this week 13, though, that we're kicking off here when the Bears play the Lions, you've had 10 weeks to figure out what to do without Tariq Cohen, and they still haven't figured it out. Uh, Sam, I'll go to you, but let's wrap this thing up here, guys. What are your final score predictions? Final score predictions. Well, if the Bears can put up 25, even though 15 of them was uh, garbage time points, I don't see them having any problem putting up similar numbers against the Lions. I do think Matt Stafford is a very, very good quarterback, a very underappreciated quarterback, though, and I think he will make some plays on this defense. Um, I kind of see this as a bounce-back game, but I think it'll be another close one. I have Bears 27, Lions 20. AJ, what do you have for score prediction-wise? Well, uh, score prediction-wise, I don't know what the injury report is looking like for the Lions. I heard they were really depleted last week. Uh, they got shut out a few weeks ago. Um, but, like, I'm going to be noble here. And since I'm a Mitch apologist for the last couple of games of this season here, I'm going to be strong, and I'm going to give you a good score prediction, a positive one. Give me the Bears 17 and give me the Lions 12. Okay, so – They won't get it. Yeah, my score prediction, I'm going to go Bears 23, Lions 14. I finally think that the this is the most complete game the Bears are going to play this season, albeit it's against a terrible team. Okay, I think that Eddie Jackson is going to have a pick six. The Bears offense will score just one touchdown, but they're going to get 23 points because of a defensive pick six. That's going to be by Eddie Jackson because every time I say certain things, they end up happening anyway. Um, but yeah, Bojack's going to get a pick six. You're going to have couple field goals from Cairo Santos and then you're going to have a Mitch to A-Rob TD. So Bears are going to win 23 to 14. Positive vibes. I love it. Yeah, positive vibes. Anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in because we've been pretty sure we've hit our one hour mark. I don't even know. I mean, this episode is pretty much just us getting behind the microphone and speaking about how much this team sucks the life out of us. But we're on Apple Pods now, guys. So we're on every major podcasting platform. But before you get out of here, before we get out of here, before the episode finishes, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Usaid Kosho. Follow AJ on Twitter at AJ Decide4. Follow Sam on Twitter at SG. 
jsteve9 and then follow our social media accounts on facebook twitter and instagram for the podcast at barely underscore pod that's b-e-a-r-l-y underscore pod all right we'll be back next week hopefully our guests will get back to us if not we'll just start looking for other guests but uh, thanks for tuning in guys peace out we'll see y'all next week